Welcome to Coaching Culture, the podcast where we discuss how we can use sports and not let them use us. I'm J.P. Nervin, the founder of Thrive On Challenge, and the mission for this podcast is to connect leaders in athletics to help us create a transformational culture by building leadership and character. Now let's get started. You're listening to episode 61, Let Them Lead, Strategies for Team Captains. In this week's episode, we're going to dive into the topic here of discussing team captains. And JP, you know as well as I do that with the proliferation of the internet, you can do a Google search in about one second, have literally thousands of resources at your fingertips that will give you all kinds of advice about how to choose your captains and what to do with them when you get them. What we're going to talk about today, and I know you've done a lot of different things, and I have as well in the 15 years that I've been a head coach here, we're going to talk about some of the strategies that we found to be most effective for us. So today's episode is not going to be a long menu of here's a bunch of different options you can do to select your captains, but we're really going to try to drill into the things that we've experimented with that have been the most effective for our teams, both in terms of how captains are chosen and once you've got them, what do you do with them? So let's start here, JP, with just a a little discussion about what have you found to be the best way, again, for your teams to choose captains in your experience? So like you said, Nate, I have tried it all, right? You know, when all these different methods of coaches selecting or players selecting or a hybrid of both or, you know, I, I have found to be the most effective, though, to be the player's vote. And I'm a big fan of that because in my experience, when the coaches select the captains or all these other variety of ways, um, it's not really identifying who the players look to. And that from my perspective, I needed to identify through this captain or leadership um, selection, I needed to identify who the players currently look to. And then it was my role as a coach to then go and work with that leader, that captain, to help develop them so that they could better serve the team. And that was kind of my role um, in, in that process. Yeah, I definitely agree that the players have to be at least part of the process in choosing the captains. And, you know, my thinking on that has kind of evolved over the course of my career as well. And probably the most significant um, evolution of my thinking is that the captains are really there to serve the team. I mean, they're really there to serve the players more than they are to serve me. So even though I'm going to meet with them and we're going to make decisions together, ultimately, if they aren't chosen by the people that they are to represent, if they're not chosen based on, um, you know, a criteria of who do the players trust and who do they want to be representing them, who would they be comfortable coming to if they had issues or problems or frustrations or whatever it might be, it's really difficult for me to choose people and force their leadership onto the team. And I've made that mistake in the past. In fact, early in my career, I just started with the seniors or the captains because they're the oldest and they're the most experienced. And I remember one year, you know, I got really frustrated with our senior captains because they got into some trouble off the floor. And so I fired all of them and I said, you know, I don't want you guys representing our team in the pregame, even in the pregame conversation with the officials. And just, I just chose a sophomore and a junior to replace them. And there really wasn't anything good that came out of that. I mean, (laughs) on the one hand, we weren't being represented by those seniors. That was probably good for our program. But I don't know that anybody really reacted positively to that in terms of looking to the new captains that the coach chose, right, to be a more effective, you know, vehicle for leadership or whatever on the team. So 
I've definitely gone in the direction of having the players have 100% control over who is chosen to be the captains. And that process can be different, probably different for you than it is for me. Um, how have you gone about engaging your players in choosing uh, captains for your teams? So, Nate, while I'm a big fan of the players selecting it, I think we need to be really intentional and how we facilitate um, and kind of shape this selection process. So we need to have conversations with the players to help them to identify what they value, right? So what do we value in leadership? What does this team need in a leader this year and a captain this season? And so that I think that's the first thing. So having a conversation with them as a whole team or maybe in one-on-one conversations I think is really, really critical so that they can identify the key behaviors or the key values and maybe even have them list out three to five different qualities of a great leader. And then then you have that opportunity to say, okay, which of the people on our team best represents these values, best emulates these values on a day-to-day basis within our practices, within our games, within the you know, off the court or off the field activities. And I think that when we help to shape that conversation, then we can have a positive influence in the voting. Um, rather than just throwing it out there and letting it become a popularity contest. JP, that's a great process. And I'm curious, when you're actually doing the voting, do you weight the votes at all? How many captains do you tend to have kids vote for? Um, do they vote at different levels? If you have a freshman team, a JV team, a varsity team, like how do you do all the logistics of the actual voting itself? Yeah, Nate, and I, I try not to get too hung up on the little details at certain stages because I think everybody's context varies, but there's a few things that I found to be very beneficial here. One is to kind of narrow your pool down. So if you've got a team of 20 players or 30 players or on a football team of 60 players and you're just like, vote, well, it's you, you have such a wide pool of people. So I think that there's certain ways you can narrow the pool down. One is that people would have to be nominated. So, you know, Different people, maybe seniors in the team or just anybody in the team could say, I'd like to put this forth this person on the ballot, for instance. Um, the other way to narrow that pull down is who is interested in being a captain? Who is interested in being a leader? This is a process where you have to really, you know, you may not be a perfect leader today, but you're going to have to be focused and intentional about developing your leadership skills. So it's an opportunity, but it's also a challenge um, to become a leader on the team. And so I think those two things help to narrow that pool down a little bit so that when they do step in there and they are voting on who's going to be the captain or who's going to be the leader here, that it's just not this big laundry list of you know 15 or 20 names. Yeah, I like that. And I know there are some coaches that will have their players do an application to be considered to be a captain. So if you are in a larger group, you know, a, a team of 40 or 50 or more, if there are players that are interested in being captains, that they have to, you know, essentially write a really short essay about why. Why are they interested in being a captain, and what do they feel like they would bring to the team? And then, some coaches even have a, a panel of outside people that read those, you know, and select them from there, or select those that'll be on the ballot from there. But I, I like that because it, you know, for the way we choose our captains, and this is the thing that's worked the best for us over the last four or five years. Um, I don't really do a process like what you've described. But I'm very intentional about explaining to the team the job description of the captain because I think it's different for a lot of maybe what they've experienced on other teams. So there's basically three essential responsibilities for the captains in our program. So number one, we ask them to choose somebody that would represent the team in our decision-making process. And for, for me, and we'll get into what we actually do with captains in a little bit, but I'll meet with our captains weekly 
and they have a great deal of say in terms of the decisions that are made across the board by our coaching staff. Um, in fact, their input is probably valued just as much as any one of my assistants on my on my staff. And so that's the first thing is who do you trust to represent you? The second thing is who would you trust to be able to go to if you were having issues or you're frustrated or you know somebody that you could go to for support or if you were afraid to go talk to the head coach about something, who would you be willing to go with? In other words, who would take you as a captain and say, well, I'll go meet with Coach Sanderson with you to make it more comfortable so we can talk about you know, your role or your playing time or whatever the issue might be. So somebody that they trust interpersonally, really, you know, that they would lean on if they needed it. And the third criteria, which is probably the most important to me, is who do you see embodies our culture the best? You know, and we spend so much time during the season, during the off season, building our culture, talking about who we want to be and what does that look like? And so the way that I describe this to the team is I'll say, you know, if somebody came to watch our practice, somebody walked into the door and said, Coach Sanderson, tell me what you guys are all about here. If I were to say, look, just watch our team captains. See those two guys over there? Just watch those two guys for about 10 minutes and then let me know if you have any questions. Like who would those people be that best example and, you know, are the best example and model the culture that we're trying to build here? And so when we talk about it in that context, you know, I tell them this has nothing to do with basketball ability. It has nothing to do with being a senior. It has nothing to do with experience or popularity or anything else. It, it comes down to those three key things because, as I said before, the captains are here to serve the players first and foremost in our system. So two questions for you, Nate. The first is, has that process of you know laying out the job description – has that kind of scared some people off from wanting to step up and be a leader and a captain on your team? Well, that may have, and that's good to me. I mean, you know, I want players that are willing to perform those responsibilities. And if they're not, then they really shouldn't, you know, can be considered to be captains. In fact, on our ballot, we'll put on there, you know, we'll ask them to list three people and we have them rank it one through third, their first choice, second choice, third choice. But there's also a question on there that says, are you willing to serve as a captain if you are, you know, if you're selected? And if they say no, then then we'll just throw them out. You know, and I've never had had maybe one or two kids in the last four or five years that have said I would not you know, serve as a captain on this team. Um, but again, that doesn't bother me if they don't want to put forth that commitment because it is a huge commitment. Then it doesn't make any sense at all for them to, to be captains. I love that. And so my second question, which I know a lot of coaches may be thinking is, well, what do I do when they select somebody, when you do all that and they still select somebody that you just don't think is a leader? Well, to me, that gets into, you know, maybe your definition of leadership, because last year I had three captains on our team that were very different people. So one was a very outgoing, extroverted, rah-rah, clap and practice, high-five everybody, you know, typical, stereotypical type, that's the team leader. That's what a team leader is supposed to look like. But the other two were also incredibly effective at their interpersonal relationships. So one was um, just a, a very serious competitor, but a great role model, and somebody that going into the year before I got there probably didn't see herself as being um, someone that other people would come to if they had issues. But when she was chosen as a captain, I mean, she, she, she said this to me, you know, after her experience was, 
it, it was so honoring and I felt so respected that people actually looked up to me that I had to like I had to grow as a leader in order to be that person for them. So for her, she might not have been perceived necessarily as that stereotypical leader, but she was able to grow into what fit best into her role on our on our captain's um, council or whatever that uh, best served the team, if that makes sense. And our, our third captain, again, not necessarily real outgoing, but incredibly empathetic. You know, somebody that really understood and experienced the program at all three levels, you know, and so she was just outstanding at connecting with people. So together, they made this really dynamic and really effective team. Um, but, you know, at face value, you might look at them and say, I don't know if all of those guys are really, you know, bound to be great leaders. Yeah, I absolutely love that because I think sometimes as coaches, I know myself and some other coaches that I work with, we can get a little hung up on the vocal leader, like, you know, that image of what great leadership looks like. And just kind of coming back to what we talked about in Culture Code and kind of the various parts there, maybe it was part two or part one when they talk about the communication code, is that great leadership doesn't always look the way we think it looks like, right? And you talked about, you know, leader number two and number three on your team, how they led in very different ways, but sometimes those ways are much more meaningful and much more impactful. And so I think when it comes to this selection process um, is when we're helping to frame the conversation here and, and talk to kids and encourage kids to step up and want to be leaders, we need to encourage them to be the type of leader that best suits their personality too. You know, it's great to have that vocal leader, but to try to put someone that's a little bit more introverted as this really extroverted, out, outgoing, loud vocal leader, we're not setting them up for success. You know, we're not setting them up to become, you know, the best leader that they can be. And so I love, I love your story there about, you know, just even last season. Well, part of that gets into the question, kind of the second part of this episode here is once you have your captains chosen, you know, what do you do with them? And I know there's coaches that do an extensive amount with their captains, and I think we do a lot with our captains. Um, and there are others where it's just more of a ceremonial sort of position. You know, they represent the team at the coin toss or they speak at the pep assembly, but they don't necessarily, you know, have a real integral role in how the team, you know, is formed or decisions that are made or that sort of thing. And I think, you know, speaking to what you just said there, one of the things that we really try to do with our captains is develop them as leaders according to whatever their strengths are. And so we'll talk to them. You know, I meet with them weekly during the season. And part of our conversation is always, you know, what have you tried this week as a leader? What's worked for you? What hasn't worked for you? Who are you connecting with? Is there anybody that, you know, with three people on the, the captain's team here, is there anybody that we're not connecting with, you know, that they're not able to, to, to reach or to, um, you know, know where they're at or whatever? And so there's sort of a mentoring aspect to it as much as they're serving the team and making decisions and, you know, a source of information for me. There's also certainly a mentorship component where I'm trying to help them grow into leadership that fits their personality and their strengths. And as you said, that may look very different for each of the captains that are on that group. Nate, so your idea of mentorship is huge. I think for the longest time as a coach and for many of the coaches I work with, I think we've approached it more about let's teach them about leadership, let's read about leadership, and we've struggled to take it to the next step. You know, I think there's such great value in reading about, you know, what it means to be a great leader and kind of, you know, going over these concepts. 
But at a certain stage, we actually need to go and be a leader. And it brings me back to the book Love Does by Bob Goff. And in there, he, you know, Bob talks about how he was participating and involved in a lot of Bible studies. And he said after he came to this realization that, all right, this is great. Learning about the Bible is great, but I need to go and actually do it. I need to go live it. And so he started a Bible doing group and they would just go out and they'd live out the Bible. And I think that this is when it comes back to leadership development. There's a great time and place for all those type of conversations about what great leaders do and what leadership looks like in action and practice and stuff. But at a certain stage, we've got to move to a place where we're allowing them to lead. This is my other area where I failed as a coach, and I know other coaches struggle at, is we we give players ownership of things that we really don't really care that much about a lot of times. And so I was speaking with a coach there a few months ago, and he was struggling with the leaders on his team. And I said, well, what ownership are you given? What decisions are you allowing them to make? And he talked about things like, you know, what they could wear on game day and picking the shoes and um, who they were going to be rooming with on their trips. And I said, well, that's great, right? When it comes out to, you know, game night, if they look bad and their shoes and their socks don't match, well, that's on them and they'll take ownership for that. And if they don't like the rooming assignments and there's complaining within the team about that, well, then, you know, it's on them. But if we want them to take ownership of things that really matter, the things that we really are trying to grow and to change and transform within our culture and with our team, um, when it comes to our practice behaviors and our behaviors on the uh, in games and off the court, then we have to give them some decision making and some ownership over those areas. That's a great point, JP. You know, Bob Huggins used to have a quote where he said, uh, "My team's a democracy. I let them vote on everything I don't care about." You know, now when I think about that quote, like to me, it's exactly the opposite. If I want kids to buy into our culture or to practice harder or to you know, be more focused in film or, or whatever it might be. It isn't that that just becomes my thing. You know, I think sometimes we think of of captains, you hear this all the time, that a great captain is the extension of their coach on the floor, on the field. And certainly there's an element to that, that you want them thinking like, you know, the coaches. But at the same time, I go back to what I said before, our captains are here to serve the players. I'd rather have them be an extension of our culture than I would have them be an extension of me. And so... You know, to me, anything that I think is going to be critically important for our team, I'm bringing the captains into that decision, right? And so if we're not practicing well, we'll talk about it. Is it me as a coach? You know, I want input from my captains that maybe I'm coaching them wrong. Maybe we're doing the wrong drills. Maybe I need to be more intense or less intense, more interpersonal, less interpersonal. But I want to know, you know, what is it that's that's causing us not to – not to perform or not to be unified or or whatever. If it's me, I want to know and I want to change it. You know, we've had captains come to a meeting and say, coach, everybody hates this drill and we never did it again, right? There's lots of ways to get shots up just because I like it. If they don't like it, then it's not worth it, right? And so what I want is I want them to be as involved as possible in every process and especially those that matter the most. So Nate, you keep referring and talking about these captains meetings. Tell me a little bit more about what those look like. Yeah, so as I mentioned, once we choose our team captains, and that'll usually take place sometime toward the end of the first week of practice, I'll start meeting with them. We we practice or we lift on Saturday mornings, and so I'll bring in Starbucks at about 8, and uh, we go and lift at 9, so I get 45 minutes or so to an hour um, with our captains every week, and we just sort of have a general outline kind of that we follow um, and whatever needs more time, then that's where we spend more time. So the first thing we always ask is, 
how are things going? You know, is there any drama? Is there anybody that's, you know, frustrated? Are there any team issues that I need to be aware of? And I think that's probably an important thing to emphasize, too, is once I bring the captains in, you know, I make it very clear to them that there are no secrets. So in other words, if they're aware of something that's affecting the team, like they have to tell me, right? Even if I don't want to hear it, even if it's my fault, like, so that kind of establishes sort of the expectation early on. And that's, again, where we start. So some weeks we may spend an hour talking about why two kids don't get along and how we're going to, you know, try to navigate that and what role I'll play, what role they'll play. Some weeks there isn't any drama, you know, we're a little tired, but everybody's getting along, everybody's having fun and we just move on from there. So so that's number one. Number two, we'll talk about the schedule for the week. Um, and again, we've, we've referenced our mental health days. So on Wednesdays, we'll spend time in the classroom. And so we'll talk about, you know, what does the team need right now? And usually I'll give them a couple of things that I think, you know, I'm thinking about teaching on in that mental health time on Wednesday. But if they have something else completely different, a different topics they want to, you know, talk about, or they'll pick from three that I'm thinking about, whatever they think is going to be most relevant and most important to where our team is at in that week, we talk a little bit about, you know, the, our mental health day. And then we'll talk about the rest of the schedule. You know, there are times where, especially as you get going along in the season and the dog days of January for us, um, where, you know, if the team is tired and our captains will say, this just seems like a lot this week. You know, if we've got a couple games and a team dinner and we've got our regular practice schedule. Um, and so, you know, we'll, if they want to cancel a practice, like, or shorten practice or change it, then we'll change it, you know, if they decide that that's what's best for the team. Again, you know, I, I trust them to have the pulse of the team and try to give them the responsibility of helping to make the best decisions for the team. So we talk about drama, we talk about the schedule, we talk about mental health days. Um, so the last thing that we try to get to every week, and I mentioned this before talking about about mentorship and about growing leaders as i as you said i think there's a difference between learning about leadership and leading and so one of the things we try to finish our meetings with is tell me what you've tried this week to do as a leader you know who have you tried to connect with have you tried to be more vocal have you tried to communicate more in drills have you tried to help you know team be more organized have you followed up with kids with a text message you know outside of practice what have you tried this week and what's worked and what hasn't worked and you know, again, I have usually two or three captains on our captain's team. And so as they're sharing those experiences with each other, um, they not only learn from me and giving them a little feedback and really just guiding their reflection, but they learn from each other. You know, and as we said before, one thing that might work for one captain in terms of being more vocal, well, maybe that doesn't work for everybody. But we're trying to find ways where they can be impactful. And then in just encouraging them, kind of the last question is, what are you going to try this week? Or are there people on our team this week that need to, you know, they need you guys to connect with them in some way. And how are we going to do that? Nate, I think your questions are fantastic. I think this is really the the, the, the key part here is that we're asking great questions in the, these meetings. And we, you know, we've talked about this in a previous episode with the after action review of part five of the Culture Code podcast series. So if you haven't listened to that, I would suggest coaches listen to that because it has a lot of great questions on just how to review things during the week. Um, I also really like how you've approached this as a mentorship and those conversations you're having with the players. I think, you know, those questions of what's working, what's not are, are really, really key. 
But something you, I think that you're doing also there that you didn't mention is I think you're modeling this willingness to grow through this whole process. You're coming in with them and you're saying like, how can I improve as a leader? And so they're like, okay, if coach is willing to grow, then I have to be willing to grow as a leader too. And I have to be willing to try new things. And the last suggestion I would have on this is when it comes to this meeting, where we sit, our physical proximity and how we're speaking with the tone, this is huge. It shouldn't be I'm the coach and then you guys are my 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 you know underlings here, you're my little my captains. It's we're all in this together. We're all trying to see everybody as a coach, everybody as a leader. So trying to establish some common ground, I think is huge. Well, I think JP, the more thought you can put into not only what you're discussing with your captains, but even where you're meeting and are you sitting in a circle or are they sitting five feet away from your desk, you know, facing you? Um, we've done captain's meetings at coffee shops. We've gone to Poncheros. We've gone to, you know, brought my dog, like whatever I can do to make it comfortable for the captains. Uh, we really try to do that, you know, environmentally and in terms of the conversations that we're having. The last thing, JP, that I would leave with coaches is there isn't a decision that I make during the season that I don't involve the coach, the captains in, in some way. And in fact, if I was being honest, I probably lean more on the captain's input at certain times during the year than I do even my coaching staff. Um, and that includes big decisions. So for example, last year, we started talking at Christmas break about the possibility of bringing a freshman up from the JV team to the varsity team. And so I had that conversation over a number of weeks with our captains about, do you think she's ready? How do you think she would be received? Um, you know, is this going to cause more drama than it's worth? You know, if people are going to feel threatened by that. And so not only did we discuss the decision while we were making it, but once we decided, yes, we were going to bring her up, then the captains and I really put together the process for how that was going to be announced and how we we're going to give her a uniform and all that kind of stuff. And it was actually a really cool experience for this player because we had planned on making an announcement at the end of practice one day. Um, and she was homesick that day. And so I called her into my office when she got back and I, the next day, and I said, I just need to meet with you to kind of fill you in on what happened in practice the day before. And when she came in, the captains were waiting for her and they had this box for her. And I said, before we get started here, the captains kind of put something together for you, you know, and just handed her this box and she had no idea what it was. And she opened it up and it's these, it's a varsity uniforms and this the biggest smile, you know, you've ever seen comes on her face and like she's so excited, right? But it wasn't just the reveal, you know, in terms of how we gave it to her, but it was the conversation that happened after that where the captains really took some time and said, you know, I was pulled up as a freshman. This is what my experience was like. And it wasn't great for two out of three of them because the upperclassmen were really threatened and they kind of pushed them away and didn't make them feel welcome. And it really wasn't a good experience for them when they were pulled up. And so they talked about that, but they said, you know what, we're not going to let that happen to you. And so it was like, we're here for you. Anytime you want to come and talk about, you know, what it's like, if you have any issues or whatever. Um, and then they went on and sort of gave some advice about, you know, just playing varsity for the first time and be yourself and, you know, be confident. You know, we believe in you. And I mean, it was just an amazing 20 minute conversation and so meaningful for that player, you know, and she went on and played a little bit for us at the end of the year. But I don't think any of that would have happened if I would have just done it myself, either made the decision myself or just said, oh, Hallie's going to start playing varsity. You guys better get used to it and just move on because we created this awesome experience that the captains got to be part of, you know, in bringing her into the varsity team at the end of the year. And I think sometimes as coaches, 
were hesitant to really pull the veil back in terms of telling you know, kids or captains what we really think or what we really see um, or what we're really concerned about. And every time I've done that and brought captains into a big decision, I've made a better decision because of their involvement. I love that. And it comes back to this idea of moving beyond just sim- symbolic captains. Right? we got to move well beyond that and start to really develop them and develop them by actually letting them have decision-making over things that really matter to us. Captains, can they can be so much more valuable than just a symbolic representation of your team. But you have to be willing to bring them in. You, know, you have to be willing to allow them, as you've said before, to make decisions, right, or to be leaders. And sometimes that vulnerability is uncomfortable. But as you and I have experienced in every situation, the captains have helped us to make better decisions. And that's really what we would in- encourage coaches to do with their captains. Now that's it for today's episode. If you want today's notes from the podcast, as well as links to other articles on how to develop and leadership and empower the leaders on your team, go to thriveonchallenge.com, subscribe to the weekly newsletter, and you'll get those notes as well as links to other fantastic articles and blogs on leadership. Do us a favor, and if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with some of our coaches out there in your coaching community. Mm-hmm.